0: and welcome to Buy Back the Block series where we talk everything real estate and investment. We believe in empowering those in our communities to take pride in where they live and to share stories of journeys travelled and their successes. We believe every journey is unique but also important as it provides an opportunity for those in the community to learn and progress through the experiences of others. There is infinite power that exists through collectively working together.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Buy Back the Block series. Today, I've got a good friend of mine, Eddie Dijon. He's a property developer and investor operating in London, and I've seen some wonderful developments that have come from him. I would like to know what makes him tick within the property world. For me, I've seen guys that are doing stuff, but I must say that Eddie's stuff has really been exceptional. Thank you. Um, looking at properties that he has developed within the Mill Hill part of London. And it seems like a lot of the stuff that I've seen from him has been high-end. So we're talking from the 700 to 1.5 million pound houses and from the ground up in developments. And I'd like to know how he's basically got into the game and has continued to reinvent himself and stay relevant within the property world. So first and foremost, thank you for actually being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. First, first and foremost, I'd like to know who who are who are you, Eddie?
0: <laughs> right. So my name's Eddie Dujon. I'm predominantly uh, a property developer, uh, but I'm also a landlord. Um, I've got some HMOs, and I've a retail business, uh, business on a on a busy high street in um, in Bethnal Green, in East London.
1: So you say you have got a retail business. I have indeed. Yes. Yeah. So was it not always property that you were you were actually involved in, or was it an evolution of something else?
0: Uh, Well, basically, um, as we all know, property can be um, very temperamental and um, it can go on peaks and troughs. Uh, It can be affected by recessions, by interest rates, Brexit, and obviously, (laughs) today, the COVID-19. So many, many years ago, I thought about trying to get a business which was recession-proof, if there's such a thing. So I got involved with a shop, uh, a franchise, actually called Cash Converters, okay. and I've got a branch in Bethlehem Green, because okay. it is actually a recession-proof business, that's oh. a fact.
1: Oh, so, so, so I take it has been very good for you then?
0: It's been very good for me. I don't actually work there, I am not go there. Um, <laughs> it's not a place I enjoy being, to be honest. Nice. Um, it has got some stigmas, which uh, a lot of them are untrue, but um, in actual fact, it's quite a successful business. Oh, uh, I've had it for 15 years now, so it's been good to me.
1: So where, where exactly did you grow up when
0: you were, when So I was born in Bethlehem Green, actually, so it's okay. the location of the shop. Um, And I grew up there on on an estate called Boundary Estate, Um, down in, it's kind of sits between Shoreditch and Bethnal Green, just at the bottom of Brick Lane there. So that's where I grew up as a child. And then at the age of 12, we moved to Poplar um, in East London, right near the Isle of Dogs. Um, Yeah, from the age of 12, we moved on.
1: So was it it a case where somebody in your family was involved in property or, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how exactly you did that transition from living in East London. I'm, I'm I'm taking in the 70s, no, the 80s and 90s potentially. I wouldn't have thought that those areas would have been the the nicest of areas at the time.
0: Um yeah, Bethnal Green. Um, when I um I didn't I didn't get into property um in Bethnal Green because obviously I was quite young at the time, and it was much later after I left school that I got into property. But my journey from property would have started from. I suppose my uh, experience in the tall and plant hire industry, okay. so, which I got into a quite. A, I was kind of in my mid twenties when I got into tall and plant hire.
1: So you're working for. So at the time, you're working for a, a construction firm, was it?
0: Yeah. So no. Um, basically, my first left school is quite a long story, but i try and crystallise it. Yeah. Uh, most of my older brothers got into um, white collar work when they left school. They did very well at school, but that was never really my strength. Uh, I was never really great at school. Uh, but uh, um, what I realised uh, when I left school was that. Academic qualifications aren't everything in the real world. In fact, in some ways, they can hold you back. Um, uh, don't get me wrong, education is magnificent, and I understand the great things you can do, for you, especially if your career is going to be in the path the education has, has taken you. Um, but for me, personally, uh, once I'd finished uh, my early school, um, there was nothing left for me in education. Uh, my, my real success came, I would say, once leaving school from there onwards.
1: So was it a case that you just you knew that... Um... When you when you finished up with school, you knew they wanted to go into industry and you wanted to work, and that was a way for you.
0: I, I, I went to I mean I had part time jobs while I was at school, right? Okay. So work was always uh, paramount for me. I mean, one of my earliest influences was my mum and my dad because my mum, I mean, her work ethic was just second to none. I've never known anybody who worked harder than my mum, wow. and even to date. To this day, I don't know anybody who's ever worked harder than my mum. So I've got a lot of influence from her. Also, my dad um, was a hard worker, but I'd say he taught me more about my mental strength, how to fight, never give up, yeah. and never give in. Right. Um, and as a family, we were really tough growing up in East London. Right. You know, especially in the sixties and seventies when there was severe racism.
1: I can imagine.
0: But um, well, yeah. Once leaving school, um, my first job was a washing machine engineer, oh, wow. which was really strange. Yeah. Um, that led me into tall and plant hire where I started off on the, what they call on the tools, so like a semi-skilled engineer, and I went into um, field engineering, going out on site and so on. Right. And then I kind of worked my way through the company um, into sales and then senior sales, uh, where I was quite successful as a, as a sales manager in Tall and plant hire. Right. And that was a really tough time because uh, there was no black salesman in Tall and plant hire around the time I was doing it. In fact, in the 12 years that I spent in Tall and plant hire, I'd never, ever met another black person in sales oh, wow. at all, over 12
1: years. Wow. Until actually left the industry. But it's still... I should hope so too. Yeah. But you still look at it and you say to yourself, in such an environment, I'm sure you've had to push through challenges based on the fact that you're the only black person working in, in a particular industry.
0: Yeah, it's funny because obviously, racism was much more prevalent in those days and mm. much more in your face. People didn't really need to disguise it so much. But as we are here today, racism is still there, yeah. still very obvious, um, but it's a little harder to see. And it's only when you pick up bits and pieces in the media or things you see on TV where it kind of brings it back to you, of course. Um, I see it on a daily basis. Mm. But if you look at the children, they say, they'll say there's no such thing as racism. They just don't look. Yeah. But, um if you know what the signs are, um, you'll see it every day I walk into a bank, especially if you've got um, an English-sounding name, yeah. or should I say a Caucasian-sounding name, because Dujon could be French. Yeah,
1: that's
0: correct. Um, people are often surprised when they see a black guy walk through the door when your name's yeah. Eddie Dujon. Yeah. They're expected to see somebody different. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see their expression change. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> And then it's not that I feel I have to win them over, yeah. but it's also good that after a short conversation you see that they realise that, you know, people are people because yeah.
1: it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I take it, I mean, you said that you were in sales at um, a particular point, um, even if it was um, heavy equipment. Do mm-hmm. you say that that's translated um, pretty well into the property game?
0: Well, for me, yeah, for me it did. Um, I suppose by coincidence maybe, but um, when I went to senior sales, I was negotiating with uh, site managers, project managers, construction managers, uh, and so on. And so, um, you know, my job was to go out and meet these guys and negotiate tall and plant hire for their sites. Some of them had sites right throughout the country, certainly throughout London, pockets of London. So I was um, an accounts manager and I used to go and see these guys on regular basis, go for lunch and so on. And of course, they'd tell you, you know, this is what we're doing here. We're building 20 flats here. We're building houses over there. This is what we're doing. And I said to myself, well, oh, I can do this. <laughs> I can do this. And um, that's, uh, I
1: suppose, the rest is history from there. But that's That's interesting because even for you to put yourself in that situation, and actually believe within yourself that you can actually do that. I tell you, it's not. It's not something that comes to people naturally. Um,
0: I don't think. I, I don't think I'm anything special. I think if we if we look around at ourselves as uh, as black people, and I have to talk about black people, they're the ones I'm more familiar with, than mm-hmm. they are the ones that I am keen to see do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sometimes we can, you know, we, we can we can. I say lift a good horse in the mouth, but we can see these opportunities and just not take advantage. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I believe that we've got so much talent amongst our own selves, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, nephews, nieces. Yeah. We don't always take advantage. And I'm the kind of person that if I see something and I believe I can do it, I'll go for it. For yeah, that, I'll go for it. i don't stop. And, um, and um, the bigger the challenge, the more determination um, you'll get from me until I get, that, uh, until I get it completed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you say that you made a transition again from um, selling of uh, equipment into uh, development. Of, uh, did you actually go from, was it a case of um, the transition was you straight started building from the ground up? Or was it a case where you started dealing with refurbishments first, uh, maybe rental properties before you actually started get onto the bigger, more juicy uh, pieces of work?
0: Yeah, so, so once, I, once, I, um, once I kind of got a grasp of the idea that I was going to get into property, um, you look at where you can start. Obviously, I had no money at the time. So um, I, got a, I got a small flat first and foremost. I did it up, I rented it for a small while, uh, a couple of years, and then I sold it and made 78,000, I think, from the first property that I sold. Oh, wow. And I thought, wow, this, this, this really works. I mean, <laughs> that was a lot of money oh, back right, then. Yeah, um, so I then bought a small plot of land in Cambridge Heath Road, Oh, wow. um, where I got planning permission myself to build four flats and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing other than what I was seeing on flat. But uh, managed to get through it and uh, you know, it cost me about 120 grand to build these four flats and the flats sold for 160000 170000 each. So the project done all really, really well. And at that stage, I took some money and invested in the cash converters business that I mentioned earlier, yeah, just cool. around the corner at Bethel Green, found my own site, wow. um, took on all the staff, and now I handed it over to a partner that runs it on my
1: behalf. So, would you would you say that getting to property back in those days was easier than it is now, or would you say it's the same sort of complexity that exists?
0: It's one of those things where there's never, you know, the people always say when's well, a good time to get into property. There's never a good time. There's never a bad time. You just got to get into it. You just got to say I'm doing it and start. You know, if you if you wait. Um, if you wait, that opportunity's never gonna come along because people will say, Oh, when I finish studying, or when I've left school, or when I pass my driving test, or after I get married, or after or I've done this, right. or after that yeah. There's always a reason not to do something. We yeah. yeah. you gotta do is say, yeah, you know, I'm doing it and start. Yeah. And if you put one foot in front of the other, that's the way to start. Yeah. You, way, you know what,
1: I completely agree with you there. I mean I've got I've got this saying, um people will look for a uh, hundred reasons uh uh, uh, not what, yeah not to do something you need to find one hundred and one reasons why you should because there's always there's, there's never actually going to be a perfect time for a situation. you just have to have more determination in making making sure that you actually want to execute and do what you want to do you
0: know? absolutely so, and you know you know there's, there's so much talent in our community, so much talent in our community and it's just got tapped. I know it's not tapped yeah. because again, you know this is not me patting myself on the back i 'm definitely not the most talented out there um, and if i've managed to to be able to find some success, and I know there's others will be able to find as much and more mm-hmm. if they, you know, if they really want to apply themselves to doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But so, it does take hard work and determination. It's not a free ride.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no there's no other way to uh to get through mm-hmm. it. Um. So let me ask this. Let me ask this question too. Um. Do you do anything like internationally, or is you, is all your stuff actually based in 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 the UK?
0: Well, well as we heard earlier, um, the um, the retail business I've got is in Bethlehem Green, so that's, yeah. that's in East London. Yeah. Um, my HMOs are in Canary Wharf, so okay. I've got some rental properties down there, some houses that yeah. so I rent down there. Yeah. Um, but my sites tend to be North London, East London. I've right, okay. projects in Canary Wharf, Bethlehem Green, Newington, Walthamstow, so and as far s- afield as places like Brookmans Park. And I've just completed four big projects in Newell Hill. So right, okay. yeah.
1: So I take it you. So I think
0: mostly North London and East London Right, okay.
1: Well so you, you you know the area pretty well, and you you well. choose to to to, mm-hmm. to, to 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 operate in that area. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So w- would you say that for any up and coming developer, is it, that that would be the best approach to go with to stick to with an area that you actually know and actually? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: always better than everything you know. So i would stick. i stick with an area you're familiar with, somewhere you know. The resale prices, that's the golden word, the resale prices. That's, yeah. That At the end of the day, your business will stand and fall on when you can sell or whether you can sell those properties unless you intend to hold them. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm familiar with North London. I'm familiar with East London, so that's where I choose to operate. I have um, on occasion slipped out. Like I said, I did, I did a really nice um, luxury house in um, Bookman's Park Really nice area. A lot of footballers live around that way, and we did we did well. You know, it was a it was a step out from a normal stomping ground, but um, you know we did we did a good job. The house sold straight away, and we did really well from it. But I I much prefer to stick in areas that I know that I'm I'm familiar with. It's strange because um, I work with investors now as well, and um, I spend a lot of time in Dubai. I've got some Investors uh, from Dubai, and they're not interested in investing in Dubai. They want to. They want to invest in London. They see London as the big market. So, um, you know, that's why I work with them. They want to. They want to do stuff over here, and, and I'm happy to help them do it. And
1: what is that? What, what, why do you think that is? Is it? Is it? Is it, is it? The prestige that actually sits behind. Um... No,
0: because I think the market is more steady in London, uh, particularly in London. I'm saying the UK, but particularly in London. Um, than it is in Dubai. I think Dubai, the bubble's gonna burst because they've overdeveloped. It's a beautiful place to go and see. Yeah. It's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's a beautiful place to go and see. Mm. Um, but the market saturated the properties. I mean, everywhere you turn, the sky rises mm. all over the place. And it was only a matter of time before you found out that the, the demand um, didn't match the developments. And yeah. so there's a lot of empty buildings out there, a lot of projects. I was out there just uh, a few months ago, in fact, and um, a lot of projects sitting empty, half completed. You know, the sites going up, sort of twenty, thirty, forty stories, yeah. and, they, and you know they just stop work. You know, there's no windows going
1: in. There's nobody on site, and it's oh wow, it's not, it's not nice to see. So, 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 so let me ask this question then. I mean, you, we, we 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 talk we talk of London and how great it is. Uh, I mean, I think it's a great city. Um, you can you can travel outside the country, um, but there's there's always that something in you that makes you want to. Come back and see the greatness of London, um, the cosmopolitan nature of it. Things are things are always new in this in this place, and it seems to just attract the best new ideas. Are always here, and for me, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I can travel; I travel quite a bit myself, but there's always something in me that always has me returning here. But no place like home. <laughs> no, no, definitely, definitely, definitely not. Definitely. Not.
0: Well, yeah, it's, I know uh, it's, it's, for me, it's true anyway. Um, I was born here, raised here. Yeah. Um, I've travelled well. I've been to Ghana, I've yeah. been to I was very recently I was out in Gambia with a very close friend of mine, who's a huge property developer, a lovely guy as well. Yeah. Um, who I respect enormously, called David Bowman. Yeah. And he invited me out there where he's got some huge projects, you know, massive projects. Yeah. Um but again, you know, I, I I always aim to work in areas that I'm familiar with. It's not that I wouldn't work in areas um, outside of that. So it's not that I wouldn't work in a place like Gambia yeah. or, or in um, or Ghana. Mm-hmm. But it's just that I wouldn't go looking for a project there. I'd look for a project in a place that I'm familiar with.
1: No, absolutely.
0: In a place I'm familiar with where I was born and where I was raised yeah. and where I understand the market.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, this, this, I mean, that, that, that sort of uh, leads on to um, my next question. People like mm-hmm. to develop where they, they know but in current climates, things have changed slightly. Um, you know, we've, 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 got, we've got Brexit that has um, happened and was at the forefront of our, one of our biggest challenges. Um, and, and, and in recent times, to add to the complexity that exists within our market, um, we've now got COVID-19 that we're trying to contend with. Um, one of the things I ask myself is, where do we go to from here? I mean, I, w- I would say that uh, if you'd asked me this question in Jan- in January, I was all go. I mean, I was I was both both feet in, saying it's going to be a fantastic year, and it was and, and and the year started out in that manner. Now mm-hmm. with COVID nineteen, I'm 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 sort of not sure if it will be as good as um, I expect it to. What, what what what's what's your expectations of the of the of the market, the property market per se, um, in the UK.
0: Um- yeah, I've got my views on this, and um, I've been speaking to some of my opposite numbers, mm-hmm. um, some guys like David, who I mentioned earlier, Stephen, yes. who does a lot of property development in Mayfair, and these guys like multi-millionaires. There, you know, they've got huge property products. They understand the market really well. So we talk regularly, and, and I, you know, and we converse about where we think the market's going, mm-hmm. um, and it's not looking good. You know, the market's looking really, really bleak at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the property development market. Would continue, but I for one will be changing my model, Mm -hmm. and I will will, I'll be looking to hold rather than to sell. Mm -hmm. My model has been I'd say eighty five, maybe ninety percent is I would develop and I would sell my project. Mm -hmm. Um, I've kept a few, um, but I'm going to be changing that model to holding a lot more. Mm -hmm. I think, and um, I'll be looking to retain blocks. So if I build sort of ten flats rather than sell them off, I'm going to I'm going to keep the whole lot and rent them. And then um, off to build another one, and do the same again, and try and build up a big, uh, you know, a, a huge portfolio um, of rentals. I will still develop um, with a view to sell, but I'm going to certainly focus more on the on the holding market as right. we go forward. So, I but mean, I'm still going to develop. I'm not going to be put off by COVID. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be put off for by um, by Brexit yeah. or by interest rates or anything else because there's always a market, and that's the good thing about London. There's always a market. The demand is. Huge. It will always be huge. Um, And even when even when the the sales market dies, the um, the rental market um, strengthens um, because people have got to live somewhere, and this uh, this country is saturated with people, so the demand is always going to be there, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you on that. So, I mean, yeah. So you've, uh, yeah. So, 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 so. In your opinion, you're not really expecting uh, it's not going to boom the way it was before. We're going to have to slightly switch up on our strategies. Does that mean that, in your opinion, you're expecting uh, potentially a drop in price of uh, maybe residential properties?
0: Oh, I, I am, yeah. And this is where I think we need to be careful, because the way this would affect somebody like myself mm. is that we we'll, always we'll look at a project and say, okay, then um, I'm building a property that's got a GDV. GDV is a gross development value, so this is what the property is going to be worth once we've finished development. Let's just use some round numbers. i see the project, and I'm going to sell this project for $3 million where it's built up of houses, flats, or whatever. Um, and I'm looking at saying, okay, um, we're going to buy that project for a million pounds. We're going to spend a million pounds developing it. So there's a million pounds profit just using round numbers. Yeah. We've got a GDV of 3 million. That's what I'm aiming for. Um, 18 months, two years down the line when we reach sales. Now, if I start, if I set out my stall with those figures in mind, and then 18 months, two years down the line, I can't, I can't achieve those figures. I'm going to be stuck around... Uh, with, with, a, with a huge debt around my neck which i've got to try and dispose of with myself if the property is devalued significantly significantly over that two year period um, then I'll be ref, uh, left with a, a, a huge problem if i'm looking to um, to uh, to re, refinance those those houses or flats to make them into a, a rental portfolio then there could be problems because if we can't get the valuations of the 3 million, for example, um, and they only revalue at 2.3 or 2.4 million, then I can't dispose of my initial debt, then I'll be left with a really with huge problem. And I think this is where a lot of people that are looking at development could catch a cold if they aren't
1: careful. Right. Okay. So is, so that if that's the case, then that means that again, in the case of the purchasing of sites or, or, or properties, you have to go in with the, with the view that you're, you're you're looking for
0: discounts. So, so the difficulty is going to be now to, to look at a project. Um, obviously, I'll use some round numbers there, but to look at a project where you might see a GDV of, say, 3 million, and say, well, what's it, not, what not, what's it worth today? What's it going to be worth in three years' time? Yeah. Is that going to drop 10%? Is it going to drop 20%? If it drops 20% and you're looking at, you know, 2.4 million GDV, that's what you need to buy at. You've got to look at your, you know, you got to look at where your GDV is going to be in two years' time. You've got to take off, um, and I always work from the back and, and work forward. So I look at my, what can I sell it for, or what's it going to be valued for if I'm going to keep the property? Yeah. And then I, look, then I take out my my construction costs, my professional fees, um, and then how much I need to make um from a, as a profit, and then I, and that's the value of my site. And if that person wants you know a million pound for that site, they may have wanted that in January, but today. To me it's worth no more than seven hundred thousand, so that's
1: where my offer's gonna be. Right, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's and that's yeah, that's definitely the way to uh to, to, to look at it. And if the expectation is um we could be end and en- entering turbulent times mm-hmm. and yeah, for any, for
0: and, any- and if that you know, and if that uh, if that person or those uh, that company bought a site and they've they've gone and spent, you know, um, big money getting planning permission with a view to getting the number they were looking at, they could be in trouble especially if they're financed against that site because they're um, now looking at a site with nobody's going to buy you know, because it's just not worth the value that it would have been worth maybe six months ago yeah. so they don't have to take a haircut on it yeah. um, so it could be a good time to buy if you've got cash on the table, it's a good time to buy but you've got, you've got to be careful in your negotiation you can't look at figures today, you've got to look at two figures in two, maybe three years time depending on when your project is due to finish
1: So if, that's, if that is the um the case, then it means that when working with uh well it, it potentially means that the developers that are basically holding on to their sites, they, there's a possibility that a number of them could fold. Sorry, I just missed that point. Sorry. It means that there are developers out there or people who actually own uh land uh using finance of any sort um could potentially fold based on the fact that uh
0: it well be. I mean, yeah. I, I think there could be some offers coming through from some banks and lending institutions because you know there, there are companies and there are individuals I know out there that they specialise in um, in finding sites. Yeah. They get planning permission and they yeah. sell the site on. It's called flipping, so they flip the site on to developers like myself.
1: Yeah,
0: and if they've paid good money for a site and spent you know good money having getting the, obtaining the planning permission, um, they could be they could be you know in for for some substantial um, substantial sums of money in those projects. And where they would normally look to flip those sites onto developers, developers aren't coming forward at the moment. I'm looking at a site right now in um, in uh, Plasto. Got planning permission for 10 units, broken up of seven houses and three flats. There were three developers looking at the project. Um, the initial asking price was $2 million. Um, I, uh, I spoke to the sales agent, and they said they've got an offering at $1.6 um, and the second offer came in, I think, at about 1.7. So I went in at 1.8 million. And I was looking at it and thinking, that 1.8, I can still do this and still make money. Um, and I think and if I decide to keep the property, which I think I will, I can still refinance. Um, I went to view the property, and the agent let slip. The other two had dropped out. Now They dropped out at 1.8, but I don't think they'd even be there at 1.7. Wow. So I'll be revising my price again before that offer is finalised. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the market is.
1: Wow. Okay. A lot of change then. There's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, a lot of change in the situation. Then. Wow. Okay. All right. So, you
0: know, it's a tough time and it's, yeah. you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a time where, you know, people need to really be careful about what they're doing. Cause we're talking about, you know, a lot of money. It's not huge money, but it's significant yeah. sums. You know, it's what you do for a living. Yeah. You can't afford to make too many mistakes. So, yeah. you know, I'm gonna, of course we all make mistakes and that's how you learn. But, um, I'm going to be trying my best to take advantage of, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of sites available. I think there's going to be a lot of people in that situation where they've got these sites. They've mm-hmm. probably had um, telephone numbers in their minds initially when they took these sites on and got planning yes. permission. Or I think this particular site was in the family for a long time. So they kind of had this as their retirement uh, project. Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to re- rethink their numbers because um, they're not going to find too many people out there ready to take these projects on. Not wow. at this stage. I think in a couple of years' time yeah. they will, but then they're going to lose a hell of a lot of money.
1: I mean, it's, it's interesting uh, you should say that because, um, I mean, I was speaking to a trader uh, yesterday who was saying that um, the stock market and the levels that are um, sort of valuations of the whole stock UK stock market, um, when he was comparing um, valuations coming back, he was saying for certain companies, uh, he hadn't seen those levels since 2008, which was uh, pretty much the, um, the, the, the 2008 uh, financial uh, uh, crisis. So you, yeah. ask, you ask yourself if we are we are going back into that sort of uh, that sort of bearish market um, where there are still deals out there, but you've just got to search. Um, I
0: think it's a sign. I think it's a sign of the times. But then I'm hearing, by the same token, that there are companies in China now that are absolutely going through the roof, where they're uh, manufacturing face masks, sanitizers. Yeah. Um so <laughs> I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Yes. Um but um you know one man's uh is another man's uh, detriment. I mean, yeah, so exactly. you gotta you gotta look where there's opportunities in this. It's an awful market, it's a terrible time, nobody wants to see this yeah um this COVID nineteen spreading, everyone wants to see it come to an end so we can get back on with our lives. Yeah. But you've gotta look at you've gotta look at where we are today and if there's any advantages that can be taken from this situation we've got to try and look to get in there because somebody's going to get in there. And so why why, why shouldn't it be us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, like I said, I'm sure I will speak to everybody when I say we all want this to be finished as soon as possible with as few fatalities as as possible. Absolutely. Um, But if there's any uh, advantages to be taken from this horrible situation, then, you know, why shouldn't we take it as well as anybody else?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely the truth. That's absolutely the truth. But you know what? I, I was also thinking, uh, too, in the case of, um, so, um, novice developers or people that are actually trying to get into the game now. I mean, we we, we talk about potentially uh, the, the the amount of risk that is uh, around the corner, but it also means that um, if things are actually end up going the way we expect them to, it means that there's there's lower points and more wriggle for negotiation. So, yeah, depending on yeah, depending, on, yeah, depending on your capital or the amount of money that you've actually got to invest, you can you might be able to get yourself
0: a deal. Yeah, exactly what I was saying earlier. I think there will be some deals coming around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that old saying comes back, cash is king. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've got money, or you can obtain money through finance, um, then there's going to be some good deals. I think there can be some really good deals coming along. You must have to sit tight for a little while and let this thing blow over. Um, and even if that's that site I'm looking at in uh, in or even if I do uh, move on it, and I, and I think I will be moving on it, but even if I do, it's going to be an exchange. And my completion will be when this market returns and we can go back to work. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you can imagine in the situation where I bought the site and I've got a load of builders standing there and they can't get on site because of restrictions on work. So we've got to wait till this thing blows over before we can get back to some yeah, kind of yeah, normality. normality. That's
1: true. That's true. That's true.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think the word of the day is unprecedented. I don't think, you know, this wasn't, I don't think, there's never ever been a situation like this worldwide. Yeah. It's, it's worse than a film. The um, you know, entire country's on complete lockdown. It's never, ever been seen, and hopefully will never be seen again. So we're all at a learning curve. We're all here um, waiting for instructions from the government and from the authorities and from the healthcare system as to how we're going to progress. Um, but it's only once this comes to some sort of control or decline that we can consider going back to work. Other than that, I think majority of people are just trying to survive from home, yeah. where they
1: can. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's amazing the number of people who've um, lost their jobs. I've never seen a, a, a run like that. Uh, pretty much. I mean, I knew that um, there were going to be some. I mean, a number of people be impacted, but it's the quickness in which organisations soon decided mm. that hey, they're laying off. They're laying off staff. They didn't even wait for 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 the dust to settle on this one. Um, yeah. Soon as soon as soon as uh, soon as COVID nineteen turned up, it was like yeah. Everything's on yeah, hold. I mean, nothing, can, the
0: impact hold. of the impact around the world is just just unbelievable. Yeah, the Premier League shut down, um, all sports suspended. Formula One, rugby, cricket, golf everything's on a hold, yeah. and that's just the sporting world. Business world as well, and restaurants, nightclubs you know, promotions, everything is just at a dead standstill. The travel industry is going to be murdered. I mean, could you imagine the impact on the travel industry now? Imagine no that. planes in the air. Yeah. I've heard, of, I've heard um, Virgin laying off 30% of their staff. Yeah. Um, British Airways won't be long to follow. Yeah. Um, you know, how the smaller airlines are going to survive, you know, the Easy Jets and the Ryanairs. God knows how they're going to survive. The travel agencies, yeah. the hotel industry. Airbnb. The impact, Airbnb impact is going to be. Airbnb service accommodation. Airbnb I mean yeah. I think
1: if they make it through this i would be amazed. <laughs> yeah 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 I mean it's interesting because uh, I mean I'm into Airbnb in a big way and I've got a number of friends and it was like universal the the amount of mm-hmm. cancellations that came through yeah. um you're like wow this is this is this is really taking a take. I mean put, put putting a hit on the industry uh mm. pretty much but well, well
0: you know, I mean as you know I'm, I'm an landlord too so not not in the Airbnb um, field, but in exactly the same way. I've got properties, and you know, that means I've got uh, I've got tenants and tenants' Absolutely. rent. And if they haven't got work, they can't, pay. they can't pay. And there's a law that's been passed recently saying you can't have any evictions. So yeah, exactly. until this is passed, we're all going to be you know we're going be feeling the impact. no yeah. one's escaping.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, let, let's go let's go into something just a slightly bit more uh, lighter um, mm-hmm. with all this doom and gloom that we're talking about. But mm-hmm. so, so, one of one of my questions is: You're not a builder yourself, though, in the sense of you are not a you're not. You, you no, I'm not, not an industry professional.
0: Yeah, I never exactly. have been.
1: Exactly. Um, and
0: yeah, you're right. I didn't come from a background of uh, of, a, of a plasterer or a big bricklayer, electrician, plumber, yeah. or whatever. No, I just came from a position. What I would say of a, um, I'd say I come from um, I'd say i come from an area of creativity, right? Okay, and uh, maybe sales. And I think that's the strength that I bring to this. But I, I think this, this, again, I think this reinforces what I said about education. And this is not me knocking education. Education is a magnificent thing. Um, but I think um, you're kind of, in school, I think you're kind of shoehorned into believing that, you know, um, once you leave school, you've got a further education, and you're going to college, and you go to university, and you kind of get shoehorned into an industry. And I I don't always think that's the way I think sometimes you should be looking at saying that, look, you know, maybe I can do something for myself. Why should I go and work for somebody else? Why should I be somebody else's uh, go for work? Why can't I go and open my own business? I not think we are ever told that at school. I certainly wasn't told that at school. Yeah, I wasn't ever told at to school, you know, at school you should go out and open a business, you should try and do something for yourself. You should try employing people rather than be the person who's employed. Yeah. something we're not taught at school. Yeah. Um, and I found that, you know, again from my own experience, um, I, I didn't want to be shoehorned into an industry like I've seen a lot of people be doing. And I've, you know, I've got friends that've been working at local authority, been working there about like twenty, nine, thirty years, wow. and they, you know, at the end of it, they, you know, they've had a you know, they, they've got a great career. That's, that's good for them. And, but you know, they're kind of at home, they're getting ready to retire now. They're at the age where they're getting ready to retire. Mm-hmm. And all they've got to look forward to is paying off their mortgage, and that's it. That's it. You know, we're kind of told that we spend half our life, you know, half your life saving for a house, the second half your life paying for it, and that's what we're told is success. Well, to me, I think there's more out there. I think it. there's a lot more out there. Yeah. And I don't think not having experience, you know, not being a bricklayer, not being a carpenter, shouldn't mean you can't be a property developer right. in the same way. Um, not being a pilot shouldn't mean you can't have your own airline.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> why should it even stop Richard Branson? I think he's a pilot. He's got great yeah. airline. Yeah. So exactly. why should it stop anybody else?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, 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 if, if you're not a builder, um, and you've never actually, well, yeah, you never, you never, you never been in the trade itself. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is, is it a team of people that you do? You have like a team of um, builders that you that you that you normally work with, or is it a case that you just um, you just use people or use building firms whenever you get a project?
0: Well, again, it's a bit of a loose one because, like you said, I wasn't in the trade. I wasn't a tradesman, yeah. but I was in the trade because yeah. I was in the construction trade. I was in the tool hire and plant yeah. hire. Yeah, so I was dealing with plasters. I was dealing with electricians. I was dealing with plumbers. I was dealing with carpenters, roofers, ground workers, and so on, mm-hmm. civil engineers. So I had an idea of what they did. Um, and when you look at a building... Um, you know, you don't have to be a scientist to real, you know, to, to to work out what the basic construction is, and what you know, what you don't know, you can soon learn. And I certainly have to learn. I have to learn the hardware. I kind of jumped in through first and learnt learn on the job, as they say. And you make mistakes. I'll make mistakes, and anybody else going into this will make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But you learn from those mistakes, and you don't repeat them on the way to success. Um, okay. I think, you know, I think the only thing I would say is that I'm, it's getting more and more difficult to make money from property development because people know how much money can be made so they're trying to squeeze the margins all the time mm. uh, but this is where you're going to be brave and you're got to be strong and you've got to be confident and you've got to go through uh, what you have to to uh, to make sure you come out on top yeah I mean as far as, as far as other things like rental are concerned I mean I think it's very straightforward mm. you buy a property you make sure that the rental income um, exceeds your your mortgage. So it's quite. it's really straightforward. Yeah. And um, you just try and make sure you maximize what you can get for your rental yeah. and you minimize what you have to pay on your mortgage. Um, and that's your, that's your job done. That's your job you're, done. you're never going to struggle to rent yeah. a property in London. You're just never going to struggle. I've been a landlord for 20 odd years and I've never had a property empty, ever. Mm. Market yeah, yeah,
1: that's the truth. I mean, yeah. <laughs> London has been pretty good to, uh, to landlords. I think I think the tax the, ta- the, the the additional tax over the last few years hasn't helped but it, it doesn't mean that it hasn't mean it hasn't been profitable for people people have still continued to reinvent themselves i think with the advent of um things like HMOs people just got a bit more creative um around yeah. it um mm-hmm. and again mentioning things such as you know service accommodations and that sort of thing it's just not yeah. it's just another bow uh, for people to to Use in, um, in maximizing their existing building structures. You
0: know? And I've met, I've met um, since being on your forum, and I will take this opportunity to say, big up, Kevin, for starting this forum. I just love this by by Back the Block. I love that saying. I can't stop saying it enough. I just love that. And as soon as you told me about it, I couldn't wait to jump in. And uh-huh. obviously, I've introduced people since. But um, but I've met some people in your forum and on your group, uh, you know, the yeah. um from all walks, so I want to say, big up everybody in the Buy Back the Block um, forum yeah. and stay there. You know, keep 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 um, keep posting, keep adding people to it. You know, keep the faith. What Kevin's done is magnificent, yeah. and I think we should really try and. Uh, work together to see if we can benefit from not just this situation, but all situations in property and construction, which is what we're aiming to do. So, up to all you guys on the BBTB.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I really do appreciate um, you know setting some time aside for um, a good conversation. You know what the group's about? It's about educating and keeping people informed as to what is going yep. on within the um, within the property trade, and basically educating yep. people within our community. That you can actually climb into and get into this field. It's not a, it's not a closed shop. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I, I know the sort of money that you've played around with in the case of the property game, and um, it's an inspiration for, for for me. But then I look at other people too within our group and within our circles, and they're doing fantastic things too. And it's just great yeah. to share um, what is around us. Let's let's learn off each other and continue to do what we do.
0: Absolutely,
1: um, one of the one
0: of the good things that you're you're, you're group has brought together um, is that we're not all from the property and construction background. Yeah. Um, even though this is what the group is about, it's about property, mostly about property, that mm-hmm. there are people from, you know, we've met solicitors, there are people in marketing, accounts, um, in, in, in the actual industry itself. In like Ike, who I brought to the group, yeah. who's got his own AV company, we've actually joined Fortune, own AV company now together, a yeah. um, great guy. Um, and you know surveyors estate agents you know property professionals there's, I mean, there's so many interesting people in there and you know and they're all sharing knowledge and sharing experience and helping each other to build and I just think it's magnificent what you've done so I really do really like
1: it well, that's it thank you for your time um, and uh, you too yeah we'll, we'll catch up afterwards thank you very much yeah? you take care alright great stuff and once thank
0: again big up to all the guys on the BBTV yeah